Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. And again, on the interwebs at our website, MichaelDukeShow.com. It's where you find the podcast, all the links to the social media, and so much more. Good morning. Welcome to the program, and thanks for coming in and joining us. It is the Michael Duke Show. Uh, We are, it's Monday. Oh, man, how did that happen so fast? It's amazing. Uh, Welcome to the program, and, and appreciate you being part of it with us today. Um, okay, so we get an interesting week lined up for you so far, um, and we're still juggling the guests around to try and figure out who's who and where, who's going where, but uh, as of right now, it looks like we're going to be joined by, um, uh, well, my, Mike Shower, uh, I think on Thursday this week. Of course, Brad Keekley and Chris Story will be with us tomorrow. Uh, we'll also be talking with uh, uh, Eskimo Libertarian and uh, Timothy Givens, who is a candidate for uh, State House in District 32 in the Interior, and uh, and 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 more. Working on a guest for Firearms Friday now. Un- today we got we, got a, we don't have anybody lined up for today. It's just me and you. What does that mean? It means we're going to go over a lot of stuff today. So it's a we got a pretty good lineup for the week, but today it's just me and you. So uh, I'm going to expect you to do your part. To do your part. <laughs> you got to participate with us today. Uh, that's what it's all about today. This is a participatory sport, and we will be looking for your phone calls this morning uh, as we talk about all the various things that are going on around the state of Alaska and uh, we uh, we hope that you will we hope that you will be part of that as we go through. All right, so let's um, let's get started. That's the week that's the I'm giving you the tease for the weekly roundup. I mean you can go home now if you're if you're already done and you just don't want to hear me bloviate, I'm gonna be bloviating today uh, on quite a bit and talking about some of the stories that are going on around the state and what's happening with the election and everything else. Did y'all get your did y'all get your 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 ballots in? Did y'all get your ballots in? Saturday was the day. Apparently, they're expecting another forty thousand ballots to be hitting the uh, hitting the mailbox of the Division of Elections here over the next few days, and uh, we are going to be seeing some interesting stuff. But I can give you the initial results if you're ready for it. Um, now, I will say that uh, I am a bit surprised, um, not of the actual outcome of the uh, of the uh, uh, of the standing so far, but of the weight of the uh, the numbers 
Uh, so I guess first and foremost, let me jump into this and tell you uh, where they're at right now. So leading the pack in our 48 candidate pack is um, uh, is Sarah Palin with nearly 30% of the vote, 29.77% of the vote. That's with 100, almost 109,000 ballots cast. They're expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of 145,000, I think, is what they're expecting at this point. Uh, but not leading the pack is Sarah Palin at nearly 30%. Nick Begich is number two with 19%. Uh, Al Gross is number three with 12%. And then uh, trailing behind in the pack is Mary Peltola, the Democrat uh, from the Bush, uh, with 7.45%. Now, that doesn't mean that she is um, that she is a, a shoe in for this, uh, because following Mary Peltola is Tara Sweeney, with five point two five percent, but but only uh, only about twenty four hundred votes separate the two right now twenty four twenty five hundred votes, and with forty thousand votes still in play, and most of them coming from the, uh, uh, well, big chunk of them anyway, coming from the Anchorage area, since they apparently did most of the, most of the counting came out of the uh, more rural areas to begin with, we could see some changes there. Now, um, again, I'm not surprised by the, the turn or the, the, the layout of the winners so far. Well, winners, I mean, you know, the, the, the standings, I guess I should say, so far. Um, I did expect that uh, Palin and Beggage and Gross would all be there. The fourth one was always a question mark. Um, I thought Santa Claus might get more votes just simply on name recognition alone. He is actually behind Tara Sweeney. He is less than 1,000 votes from Tara Sweeney right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the uh, answer uh, right there. Uh, my candidate of choice, Chris by, uh, I'm sorry, Chris 0.64%, just, just under 700 votes for Chris by. So sorry, Chris. Um, I, 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 I wanted you to, I wanted you to have a little bit of a better standing, but it didn't, uh, it didn't happen. Um, but I am surprised that, uh, Palin did so well in the standings again, nearly twenty nine point seven seven percent, nearly thirty percent, compared to Nick Begich's nineteen point three one percent. Now, Begich still gets that coveted number two spot. Now, what does that do when it comes down to the rank choice? I don't know. I just don't know. Um, if you add the other two, um, if you add the other two up of the twelve point four seven percent for Gross, and let's just assume that Peltola continues in there. Uh, it's essentially another 20 points uh, that is go somewhere. I I don't know where. I just I just don't know where. Um, and as I have stated in the past, of all the Republican candidates, um, I think that uh, this was a Palin's race to lose in a many you know in many ways. Uh, she had the most name recognition. She had the support and the endorsement of uh, Trump. And uh, but I think also she brings her own 
She brings her own set of ba- problems to this to this situation as well. Some of the baggage and everything else. I don't know what that. I don't know what it's going to lead to. I really don't. No idea. Um, I would much rather see a Sarah Palin or a Nick Baggage in there than an Al Gross. Let me say that for nothing. But um, we'll 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 see what what comes out of this. But that is the that is the uh, uh, the initial count that came out on Saturday night. Now, Wednesday, they're supposed to be doing another update and we'll have a little better idea of where they're going from this. And it is supposed to be, um, it is supposed to be uh, uh, (laughs) certified. I was looking for the word. Must be getting old. Sometimes the words just, I just lose them. Certified uh, by the 25th of June. So, which will leave them just under three weeks before the general election. So we're going to see what goes on. Uh, Palin um, and uh, Baggage uh, and Gross are already back on the can. All back on the campaign trail. They're already uh, ready to go, and they are headed out there uh, to uh, uh, to to you know try and nail this down because again. If you have to wait another 10 days before the certification and then you've only got less than three weeks after that, not a whole lot of time. So they're just going to keep going and they're just going to keep they're just going to keep keep rocking and rolling. Uh, some interesting names here as we went through some of these names, some big names that you would have expected to have a little more pull, so to speak, in um, uh, in some of these. Uh, Christopher Constant. The Democrat from Anchorage, who is the assembly member, uh, 3,800 votes, 3.5% of the vote. Uh, John Coghill, again, he's got name recognition. I mean, the name Coghill is not uh, <clears throat> is not without some political weight in this state. 2,754 votes for Coghill. That's 2.53% of the vote. Following him, Josh Revac, who... Went radio silent. I mean, we, it was kind of weird. He he, nothing happened for uh, like the last two or three weeks. His campaign went kind of radio silent. I don't know if after he got the endorsement of Young's widow, he expected some kind of big throw me to the forefront kind of uh, a jaunt or not. But uh, he only had twenty six hundred and thirty four votes behind Coghill by over a hundred and twenty votes. Um, two point two, uh, 2.42% of the overall vote going to Josh Revac. Uh, some of the other candidates that, um, uh, were in there, uh, some that we had, uh, talked to some that we hadn't Stephen Wright, uh, perennial candidate, 240 votes. That's 0.22% of the vote. Uh, Let's see who else. Uh, oh, Andrew Howcroll, running as a nonpartisan, but uh, I mean, sit, wow, I just I got no idea. Tw- uh, Twenty one hundred and fifty eight votes for one point nine eight percent of the vote. Uh, Adam Wool, uh, my friend from Esther, who uh, has uh, been, uh, you know, has had an interesting run in the legislature, decided not to run for the legislature, instead running for this special election. 1,865 votes, 1.72% of the overall vote. And up in the quadruple digits, uh, the last one is Emil Nadi, the Democrat, uh, 1,517 votes for 1.40% of the votes. 
Uh, Libertarians uh, not doing great in this run. I don't know why. Again, Chris By 0.64% of the vote, only just 700 votes. Uh, but J.R. Myers, also a libertarian, 189 votes for 0.17%. Didn't even break the, the the single percentage points as far as percentage of votes cast. But, I mean, that could change. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just frustrating. And, of course, everybody's down there in the uh, – uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them who didn't even break triple digits in the number of people who voted for them. John Callahan, Ann McCabe, Arlene Carl, Clayton Trotter, um, Sherry Mettler, Tom Gibson, Tim Beck of uh, Fairbanks, uh, Karen Griffin, Joe Woodward, David Hughes, um, Bill Hibbler, uh, Brian Beal. Only 15 votes for Brian Heal, for Brian Beal. So, I mean, I guess... When you had a campaign and you just signed up and you didn't do anything, I guess that's your friends and family vote for you, and that's about it. But 48 contestants in this race. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely interesting to watch. Where are these um, um, where, where, where are these uh, people, where are their votes going to go come election day? Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this runs out. But as of right now, the top three for sure are going to be Palin, Baggage and Gross. Uh, the, the question mark is going to be who runs in at number fourth? Is it going to be Mary Peltola? Is it going to be Tara Sweeney or is it going to be Santa Claus? I think those are the ones that really have the closest uh, between Santa Claus and uh, and Mary Peltola. There's only about uh, what is that two, the three, thirty three hundred votes between the two of them, with Tara Sweeney in the middle, and they got forty thousand votes to count. It all depends on how they break down and everything else, but it's interesting. We're gonna see. Uh, we're gonna see what happens. We're gonna see what happens. But yeah, again, the weird thing, Josh Revac just kind of. Whew, vaporware i don't know what happened but um he started off with a bang started off strong and then just i think that after they didn't get that bump that they were looking for um it uh it it just kind of it just kind of went radio silent from there so we'll talk a little bit about that we'll also talk about the um uh the lawsuit that came in through the uh, uh, came against the Department of uh, uh, the Department of Elections with the Alaska State Commission on Human Rights suing the department and a judge issuing a stay on being able to certify the election and then the Supreme Court stepping in. Uh, this is going to be uh, some interesting stuff as well. So that's all coming up. Plus your phone calls because we're going to open up the phone lines as well at 907-433-3150. That's coming up next. Might as well just open up the phone lines right now. 907-433-3150, powered by our friends at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. We will continue the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this.
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Good morning to you. How you guys doing, man? How are you doing? How are you doing? Um, let me see what uh, you guys have been talking about here in this ads over this morning. Uh, okay. Um, wow, you guys have been verbose this morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um. Most of Sarah Palin's donations are coming from outsiders. Well, that's not a big surprise since she's got the national notoriety to uh, make it work. That's not necessarily surprising. Um, let's see. GSA, uh, most of Nick's donations are coming from Alaskans. Okay. And where are the other candidates getting their money? Can any other candidates really say they've not accepted money from outside sor- sources? Not saying it's right, but, you know, shrug. Uh, it's a name thingy, says Rick. I mean, that's all about it. It's, an, it's name recognition, that's for sure. You're getting a lot of that there. Jungle primary isn't uh, good results for Palin. The 30% isn't good for name brand recognition. Over 70% want something else. In rank choice, this matters, says uh, Harold. Pretty certain Begich is going to win, said Henry. When Peltola and Gross get eliminated and their votes get reallocated, I'm getting the feeling the non-Republicans aren't going to want the social media circus that is Palin. I think that definitely uh, does lean uh, more towards baggage at that point, uh, more than anything else. Um, Palin got her votes from all the guys sporting Let's Go Brandon Flags. (laughs) Probably. I mean, she probably got a lot of them in there. Uh, Just the thought of Al Gross is disgusting to me, says Jerry. Yeah. Uh, this is in reality, Nick Begich's race to lose, says Harold. Um, I, you know, I definitely think it's going to be, I mean, as you look towards more candidates, if they start picking number twos, then, uh, baggage may appear to be the lesser of two evils to many of the, uh, moderate to progressive, uh, voters out there. He may be appear to be the lesser of two evils. I think he's got a better chance, uh, because of that. That's just, you know. Um, Al Gross is getting 98% of his donations from outsiders. I mean, I think especially when you look at what Baggage said and what the party has now said against Al Gross, the Democratic Party had come out and said that he's a proven loser. They didn't want him to be anywhere near them. Um, let's see. Uh, Dow Jones is already down 700 points this morning and average gas price is over $5 a gallon. Remember, we're all in this together with fire season off to a rough start and heating oil prices for the coming winters are projected to be some of the highest, if not highest ever. Remember to reach out and help your neighbor if they need it. I mean, yeah, I paid $6.19 a gallon for gas in Anchorage last week. Uh, Granted, that's Supreme. I have to put Supreme in my car, but $6.19. Revac is out of politics. That's a plus. David says, uh, Sweeney surprised me the most. For as much money as she spent in the endorsements she got from the Native Corps, she had an abysmal showing. Well, I guess we'll see what uh, I guess we'll see what that looks like in the long run. 
But yeah, it was kind of surprising the amount of money they got dumped into that that nothing went on. Coghill, Revac, and Wool are PFD thieves. Ain't nobody got time for that. Go back to the beer pong, says uh, Carrie. Uh, all right. Uh, still experience, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm having too much fun. Doesn't everyone fly a let's go Brandon flag, says Jerry? Well, not everybody, but uh, I mean, that may be the sentiment. I like Palin for the simple fact that she'll sling poo all over the dung heap called D.C. Uh, the problem is, of course, is that she will be slinging poo. And, and my question is, will that get the job done? That's that's always been my question. Of course, that's been my question with Trump as well. And I know that's not always popular amongst you folks, but I feel like sometimes creating more problems than you fix is definitely an issue. Two relaxing days in Sterling. All right. We got, uh, we got, we're going to continue on. Let's uh, jump into this. Uh, like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Let's uh, continue the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, here we go. Let's do it. All right. We are ready to go. Uh, Continuing on now our discussions of what took place during the elections, uh, the special election. Somebody in the chat room asked, well, when is the next election now? Okay, so this is the special primary. The special general will be held... On August the 16th, the same day that we are going to be holding the um, the regular primary. So the regular primary and the special general will be held on the same day. I mean, thank goodness. Now, initially, what had happened is that there was going to be some question on it. Uh, we started off with uh, this uh, lawsuit that came out last week. Uh, first and foremost, uh, there was uh, some serious concerns from the Department of Law about the timing of the lawsuit that was challenging the special congressional election. The Alaska State Commission on Human Rights sued Lieutenant Governor Kevin Meyer and the Division of Elections uh, over the mail-in-only election on behalf of blind voters, especially one specifically visually impaired voter identified as BL. Um He filed a complaint with the ASCHR on May the 15th, alleging that the ballot is not accessible to visually impaired individuals and that the Department of of Elections is engaging in discrimination on the basis of a disability based on its failure to provide accessible ballots or voting machines throughout the state. Now, part of the, uh, you know, part of the problem here is, is that, I mean, here you are three days before the end of an election. And uh, now they were questioning it. So, this uh, this case then went to the Superior Court. And on Friday, the Superior Court came out and said, well, uh, nope, you can't cert- you can't certify the votes. And they were like, what? You can't the- we just the- what? The Superior Court ruled that the state of Alaska cannot certify the current mail-in election because the Division of Elections, 
did not provide an adequate way for blind people to vote privately. That was the key part of it, voting privately. I mean, they had the ability to have a trusted friend help them with a the ballot and do things. They had election workers that were there at the polls ready to help blind people, but they didn't have, and they could vote remotely. They could vote with their computers set up with their TTL or TTY, whatever the, uh, I can't remember what the acronym is, but basically for the text-to-speech and, and things like that, they had all of that available, but it wasn't enough. So the State Department of Law uh uh, or excuse me, the uh, state superior court in the form of Judge Una Gambier, Gab, Gand, Gandbeer, Gandbeer, Una Gandbeer, uh ruled that the state could not certify the current mail-in election. Now, the judge did not provide a remedy for getting private voting options for visually impaired people. They did not say, okay, well, this is what would satisfy the court. So the Alaska Human Rights Commission, again, suing last Wednesday, gave the state a little time at all to uh, to fix this or to remedy it. And in fact, one of the uh, one of the uh, articles, I think it was in the ADN, talked about um, they had been going back and forth before the lawsuit was filed, trying to address this and cure it. Uh, But the judge didn't give any remedy. Uh, and said, nope, you can't certify it. You have to ensure that blind people can cast a ballot in secret uh, as seeing people are able to do with paper ballots. The election divisions will be able to count the Saturday night, but if delayed continues, then it would, again, it would impact when the state could hold the general election. Okay, so the division of elections was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is So they immediately took it to the Supreme Court. They immediately took it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court then turned around on Saturday and overruled the Anchorage Superior Court judge's decision um, and said, uh, nope, the Supreme Court took a different view, vacated the temporary injunction, reversing the order to stop the certification. The Supreme Court did not expand on its reasoning, saying it would issue the full opinion at a later date. Uh, But Governor Dunleavy said at a time when Alaskans are being asked to cast their vote in a new electoral system, and that system was made more complicated due to the untimely passing of Congressman Young, it is somewhat relieving that the Supreme Court appears to have instituted a little bit more stability and did not allow a last-minute lawsuit to to disrupt an election that Alaskans are already are concerned about and has wide-ranging implications. Oof. I mean, this is just like stuff flying around at the last minute. I mean, on top of all this, the jungle primary and the ranked choice voting and all the changes to the system, and then you got the lawsuit and everything. Wow. Okay. All right. So, bullet dodged, as far as that goes. The Supreme Court has now said, okay, they can, in fact, certify the election on the 20th. Because, again, remember the time frame. The, uh, because of the ranked choice voting and because of the mail-in ballot, Those two things already are going to stretch the certification date well beyond what you'd see in a normal election, right? So now we're on to the 25th, which is 15, 14 days later after the election closes. So it's going to take 14 days to get everything in and certified and taken care of. So they'll go ahead and they'll certify it on the 25th. And then the next phase of this, the general election, the special general election, for just this seat is on the 16th of August. So you have, I mean, so it's essentially 21 days later. So three weeks almost from the day 
they're going to have that special uh, regular election, which will take place at exactly the same time as the regular primary. There you go. So if that doesn't make it clear as mud, I don't know what else would. I don't know what else could make it any clearer for you. But there it is. So um, that is the uh, that's the interesting things, ooh baby. Um, and then of course we don't know. They're expecting another forty thousand uh, of these ballots to still be coming in. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, month and a half, not three weeks. Said, oh, you're right. Thank you, Rob. I keep thinking that June is July. You're absolutely right. Sixteenth of August. Not the 25th of July, the 16th of August, so the 25th of June. All right, so they'll have six weeks. There you go. Thank you, Rob, for straightening me out on that. Um, I don't know why I was thinking that June was July. This is how fast the summer is going. I was like, oh, yeah, 25th of June to 16th of August, only three weeks. Maybe it feels like three weeks, but it's not. So, yeah, so you're going to have six or seven weeks there between the two of them. But when you're talking about, again, all the things that are going on, let's get a little bit of a leg up. That's why Begich and Palin and Gross are already hitting the campaign trail again. And, in fact, they started yesterday. So we'll hear more about that uh, as we go through. Thank you, Rob, for saving my bacon again, um, for making me not look like a moron. All right. uh, So that's, uh, that's that option. And now we've got some other things that are coming up as well. Uh, Some interesting things from the sidelines, which we will talk about. Uh, But I want to open up the phone lines uh, to your calls as well. Your thoughts on the race as it sits right now. Your thoughts on where it goes from here. 907-433-3150. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say this morning on the the, uh, Pivotel and Satellite West call-in line. Uh, again, powered by our friends at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. Thank you for sponsoring the program. Um, head on over there and let's uh, talk about it. All right. Don't suggest much. They may declare June. Don't declare. Don't suggest this to the progressives. They may declare June is, in fact, July. Hey, I, you know, I'm as I'm as stupid as the next person. Come on, Herder. That's how it works sometimes. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go over to some of the other things that are starting to pop up, some interesting stuff that's coming in. You wonder why some of these people uh, in the legislature decided not to run. Well, I had an interesting conversation uh, last week, week before. Whenever I was in, I was up in Fairbanks, and I ran into uh, I ran into somebody that I know that works in the legislature. And uh, just, you know, was trying to pick their brain as to what's going on. And um, they basically said, it is so exhausting to work in there right now. Just the amount of, um, they didn't use the word vitriol, but I mean, I kind of got that feeling that it is just so that it's just it's exhausting. They're just like, nope, I can't, nope, we're not gonna nope, not gonna do it. Um, and so you saw a lot of them bow out uh, on this uh, you know in this last cycle. and they just said, nope, I'm done. And then others went ahead and uh, you know they filed for different seats or did whatever, but they're like, no, I'm just I can't do it anymore. 
Well, one of the reasons why uh, Laura Reinbold gave for stepping out of the seat was the fact that she is facing a um, a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit, a civil trial for blocking a constituent on Facebook. Uh, last Wednesday, a judge heard uh, judge heard the oral arguments in the lawsuit brought by one of Laura Reinbold's constituents against her. And the uh, they heard all the arguments, and then the judge is taking the case under advisement and is going to issue a decision soon. Uh, the plaintiff, Bobby McDowell, is asking for an injunction against Reinbold plus financial damages and attorney's fees. Now, Reinbold said that uh, she was not going to be seeking re-election and explaining that uh, as part of her decision, she cited the demands of the lawsuit against her and the fact that she had already spent more than sixty thousand dollars on her defense. Oof. I mean, oof. Um, the lawsuit filed back in 2021 is one of several across the whole country that is attempting to determine whether an elected official's action on social media can violate a constituent's constitutional right to free speech. Now, courts across the country have been split on this. Some have said yes, some have said no. Um, but basically, uh, you know, this person McDowell had commented on several of Reinbold's posts on her Senator Laura Reinbold page, disparaging, um, the Senator and also some of the other commenters and everything else. And eventually a couple of her comments have been deleted and eventually she got a 24 hour ban. It was only a 24 hour ban apparently. Um, but that was enough to trigger the lawsuit, which alleges that they violated her free speech rights. I'm torn on this. I mean, I am one for, I have only ever banned one person from the the commenting on Facebook on this program. And um, it, literally it was because, you know, they were so off topic all the time. And some of the stuff that they were saying was so offensive that I was just like, I can't take it anymore. But generally speaking, even people that I completely and totally disagree with get their say on, on, on the program uh, or on the, you know, on the Facebook page while we're broadcasting the program. So I'm a little torn on this. Um, I figure that especially if it's a page that is purported to be your page as a representative or as a senator or as an elected official, I'm a, I'm a little torn on whether or not you should be able to just arbitrate. Now, if somebody's abusive, that's one thing. And I didn't read the post, so I can't really comment on this. But if somebody is abusive, um, there is a you know, there is something to cleaning up that kind of speech. But if they're just disagreeing with you or saying that you suck or that you're doing a crappy job or whatever, it's um, it, it's I mean, I I would I would just you just have to grin and bear it. I, I would think you just have to have a bit of a thick skin. But uh, we're going to see what happens with this. This may also affect another lawsuit. There was another lawsuit um, uh, that had been filed against uh, our friend Kevin McCabe. Apparently, um, somebody, uh, another borough, not who is not one of his constituents, which I think does make a difference, had been blocked from McCabe's Facebook page. But we'll we'll see what happens with that as well. I just I don't know. Sometimes I think you just got to go. Yeah, grin and bear it. Grin and bear it. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? Should people be able to be? blocked from a Facebook page if they are being, I guess if they're being combative or rude, or maybe if they just disagree with the owner of the page, should they be able to be blocked from the page? 
Uh, and I guess it makes a difference if the owner of the page is an elected official. It's a public official. I guess that would be part of it. But you, I don't know, you tell me. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. This thing on? I want you guys to participate with us today. We'll see what you have to say. We continue right after this. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. We're in the break. Uh, let me go back. I'm going back. I'm going back. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think is going to happen now that the Senate has the 60 votes for the national gun bill? I don't believe that they have the 60 votes carbonated, so I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't believe that they have the 60 votes for it at this point. Uh, anyway, um, Jim says, Sarah is the only MAGA candidate. After two years, we can dump her, but she is what we need now. Okay. All right. Jim says, Baggage is a Democrat and an establishment stewed. It's all still in his. You know that Baggage has been a lifelong Republican and has been, I mean, he worked for Don Young and his dad was a libertarian. You know all that stuff, right, Jim? Or are you so fixated on the name that it's like Roosevelt and Roosevelt? There's a big difference between Teddy and Franklin. Right? I mean, it. you understand that there's... Okay, maybe not. I don't know. Um, Trump caused more problems than Mr. Magoo? Well, I'm definitely not saying that, but uh, you're paying six bucks a gallon because that's your right. You're paying it. If people stop buying gas, the price would come down as the fuel inventory backs up to the point where the refineries have to shut down. Well, that's a great and novel idea, Jim, but I've still got to go to work, don't you? I mean, I can't walk 110 miles round trip to work every day. That's just not how it works. Um, another Zappa fan. Uh, I think I have a headache, says Sandy. Uh, we don't have normal elections anymore. Kathleen says 60,000 ballots were undeliverable and 4,600 ballots were rejected for errors or irregularities. Will they be mailing the ballots for the next elections? No, the next elections will be done just like normal. They only did this one mail in because of the time frame. Um, so there you go. Uh, the refiners are producing as much fuel as they can, says Jim. Adding more oil does nothing. Oil price manipulation occurs because oil is on the stock market. Another man-made entity and the word spoken can change ideas due to speculative reasoning. Okay. Um don't suggest much. I already read that one. The refineries control the amount of oil being burned, not the individual users. We produce only so much fuel, thus limiting the carbon output of a controlled rate. Jim, I don't know what you're talking about exactly. Um, that's a ridiculous lawsuit. He must need his mommy to give him a crying towel, said Chuck. Uh, Crowley Fuel said this summer they moved to $8 a gallon across the state for fuels. Uh, not surprising. Dwayne says, yes, they should block someone who is harassing them, politician or not. 
Uh, Carrie says, McCabe is a bully, and I have posts to prove that. So friend is a really strong word for someone who demands people, who demand people when he doesn't. I'm assuming that means, I'm assuming you meant demeans people who when he doesn't get his way. Um, I'll still call Kevin McCabe a friend. Um, you know, uh, I you know if you've got a problem with him, you've got a problem with him, but I think he's still done a lot of good work in the legislature. I haven't seen him being demeaning on Facebook, but then again, the only time I really spend on Facebook is when I'm doing this show. I don't really spend any more time on Facebook than that. Um, uh, I was blocked from the Interior Patriots page for no reason other than one of the admins doesn't like me. Okay. That's the thing. It becomes a, I mean, that's why I'm just, I've always been like, okay, you guys can talk about whatever you want to talk about as long as you're not ugly with each other. I don't care. I've only ever dropped the hammer down on somebody because they were getting nasty about it. As long as there's no ad hominem and name calling or whatever, you could disagree with me all you want. But um, I just, uh, you know, uh, I love Sarah. I'm also happy with Nick, says uh, Jonathan. Uh, Jack says for blocking people, it depends on it being a personal or a pol- political a political page. And there was a bunch of uh, a bunch of little things there, object, object, object. I don't know what it was, but it was some kind of uh, uh, emoji. Um, change your lifestyle. Twenty five bucks a month for a bus pass, unlimited use. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to spend two hours on a bus to get back to Wasilla from Anchorage, Jim. Sorry. I wasn't complaining. I was just making an observation about paying $6 a month for gas. That's just how it is. Uh, I'm not going to change my lifestyle. Sorry, not willing to do that. Got too many things to go on. Um, Jonathan says he's been blocked from both Natasha and Ivy's page. Well, Jonathan, join the cool kids club and go ahead and sue them. Why don't you? All right. We're 30 seconds out. Rick says, McCabe speaks up. He's vocal. I don't know about you, but I would rather have someone who speaks up other than those who are quiet. Okay. All right. I'm good. I I agree. All right. Let's uh, jump into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free think on the radio. Would you please like and share the show? Like and share the show page. Hit subscribe. Ring the bell if you're on YouTube. Let's get to it. Here we go. Okay, fine. Lots of interesting comments in the chat room this morning. Uh, Jim is suggesting that if we all just quit using gasoline for a little bit of time, we could drop the price down, which I think would work for exactly the length of time it would take for people to start picking up using gas again. But, you know, I mean, we got there's bigger factors at play here. And besides the fact that most of us couldn't make it without, without using gasoline. I mean, it's not just like two miles to my workplace, right? I mean, I drive back and forth to Anchorage most days, probably four days a week. I drive back and forth to Anchorage, and that's, I mean, 
I just can't I just can't hoof it or get on a bicycle for 110 miles round trip. It's just not going to make it uh, not going to make it any easier for me. But you know, we're going to see these gas prices continue to rise. Uh, uh, you know, the I was just saying that I paid six dollars and nineteen cents a gallon for gas in Anchorage last week. Uh, now it was Supreme. It had it. Had, I have to put Supreme in my car, but that's that's how it that's how it works. Uh, it's may get to seven dollars. Uh, Crowley, the fuel company, is already saying that it's going to be eight dollars to the villages at least. So who knows? Uh, and I'm looking at the headline from Drudge this morning, and it was all doom and gloom. The uh, the markets had tumbled, continued to tumble. Uh, stocks back to the bear market. Is it inflation or is it a recession? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But um, it's probably. I mean, just expect uh, expect the worst and hope for the best. That's what you can do. Plan for the worst and hope for the best, and all your surprises will be happy ones. Uh, so anyway, we talked a little a little bit about this, and we asked folks in the chat room what they thought of whether or not people should be able to block commenters on their Facebook page. And it seemed like the majority of the opinions of the handful of people that actually commented back on it was that uh, if you're on your private page, you should be able to block anybody you want, which I totally agree with. If you want to, you know, feel free. If it's your own personal page or your group that you're controlling, that is one thing. Uh, But most people said that if you're uh, talking about your political page where you identify yourself, you know, it's a representative or a senator's page, you shouldn't be able to do that. Now, there's maybe there's some shades of gray there, whether it's your constituent or not. If the page is supposed to be for communications with your constituents, then, uh, you know, you should be able to block people who are from outside of that, who are just in there rabble rousing or stirring things up. But if it is your constituent, then then maybe uh, there may be something about that whole free speech thing. I don't know. I just always felt like as a politician, um, you had to you had to you had to take it a little bit. Um, I'm not talking about abusive speech. I'm talking about people just saying that, you know, you suck and you're not doing the right thing. And, you know, why are you such an idiot kind of thing? I mean, you got to expect that kind of stuff. But it uh, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to uh, to say that. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's continue on. We'll get your take on uh, the things we've been talking about here this morning as we open up the phone lines. One of my favorite things to do is to talk to you as listeners. So let's go over here and get uh, get the ball rolling and see what uh, what happens here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What's on your mind? Well, on the issue of the Facebook page, I kind of had to think about it a little more, but I kind of tend to think that uh, Laura Reinbold or whoever should have a right to get rid of somebody if they want to. That's just my humble opinion on that. But uh, I just wanted to report to you that I did vote on Election Day on Saturday on the 11th. Um, I did bring in my ballot that had been mailed to me. You know, I hadn't filled it out or anything, but I did bring it into the election office, but I wanted to use their official ballot, and so I tore up in front of them, I tore up my ballot, which is what they requested I do, either there or go home and tear it up, you know. So I tore it up and gave the pieces to them, and they did whatever the disposal they're going to do on it. And uh, I believe in—I don't believe in early voting, unless you're out of town and you got to solicit an absentee vote uh, uh, ballot. Um, I'm totally against this unsolicited mass mailing out. I think it leaves the door open for some kind of fraud or something. And um, 
or just irregularities. And uh, anyway, I voted. I waited to the end, to election day, because my two choices would have been Nick Baggage or John Coghill, and I was just kind of right. given like John Coghill a chance to, you know, convince me that I shouldn't vote for Nick Baggage and vote for him instead. I ended up voting for Nick Baggage, by the way, and um, so that's what I did. And uh, come the uh, regular election, if the four stand as they have, I certainly would vote. Uh, Sarah Palin is number two choice. I, I wouldn't vote for number one. I'd have to listen more to what she has to say. But uh, I remember it was one of the happiest days of my life when I still remember where I was, what I was doing when I heard the news that she had resigned from her office in 2009, kind of midway through her her term as governor. <clears throat> I was on my bicycle and I was listening to the radio. <laughs> it was on a Friday, I remember it. And I thought, oh, right on, you know, because she uh, handed the reins over to uh, John Parnell, who I liked, but I just did not like how she messed up the chances for a gas line for us. In my opinion, she messed it all up with her AGEA project, Alaska Gas Line Inducement Act, and going with TransCanada and tearing up the fiscal agreement that that uh, <laughs> Governor uh, Murkowski had carefully right. worked out with the oil companies for a gas line. Anyway, I didn't like that, but you know, a lot of time has gone by. She may have gotten wiser and better or something as time has go- goes on, so... I'll see what she says in the debate. Anyway, I just want to report to you my voting. So you you got your vote in. You're all squared away. You voted for baggage. You're going to see it. And you are okay with representatives or whoever blocking anybody from their pages. You're down with that. Well, if I if I was in the same position of representative, I wouldn't block anyone. I love people when they have a different viewpoint with me. But if someone's real nasty and, you know, uh, contentious, you know, just, just – you know, just a thorn in your side for no good reason, not not putting in good arguments, just saying stupid stuff or whatever, you know. I think they should have a right to get rid of them. I guess the way I'd handle it if I was a representative, I'd take their their comment and I'd store it on some other page or place or, you know, in the Internet there and say, if you want to see what they've been saying, go ahead to this other spot. You know, they're there, but they're not right here in the stream of consciousness right here on the facebook page something like that i, I don't know what i do but i i i, I love i love uh, some debate i love counter counter positions myself you know that's okay I, i've i've um i only blocked one friend on, i mean i got rid of one facebook friend simply because i discovered that there's this there's someone applied to be at my facebook friend someone that i kind of knew a lady i thought it was her anyway and and uh and i accepted it and uh, later, I discovered this other guy showed up on my Facebook, and I thought, "Who's this guy?" You know, I couldn't figure out who that was. I don't remember friending him or anything, and I didn't even know who he was. And and then the lady disappeared, and I I said, "I wonder what happened to her on my Facebook list of friends." And I finally, and I went and I saw this guy also had a common friends of some of my other friends, and I went around to them. I said, "Do you know who this guy is?" And I finally got rid- got rid of him because he's some guy that lived in Los Angeles, and <laughs> I think he, he he joined me in under false pretenses under sure, false names. So. Sure, well, I mean, you know, look, that kind of stuff happens and everything else. But and I don't know if it's possible to do what you're talking about, archive it or do whatever. But I mean, I, again, again, if you want to block somebody from your own page, I got no problem with that. If uh, I guess I'm a little uh, a little, it's a little bit of a different thing when you are an elected official. I don't know if that uh, I don't know if that makes a difference to other folks, but I guess the courts are going to decide. The courts have decided in both ways across the country. We'll see what the Alaska court says on this coming up. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate it. 
Uh, all right, we got um, we got more coming up in just a little bit. Top of the hour, got the news and commercials, and we will be back with hour two. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. The phone lines are open if you'd like to sound off in the next hour, 433-3150-907-433-3150. Back with more right after this. Okay. <laughs> that was a long, convoluted trail, but I'm, I'm glad we got to it. David is like, wow, two things Randy and I agree on. Uh, yeah, no, I, I said, now, David, you did say something that I think is interesting. You said, I agree with Randy. Uh, I feel an official should be able to block somebody who's making threats Was somebody making threats, uh, in one of these cases, because again, I have not seen any of the comments that were blocked or deleted or whatever. So was there, were there threats being made? Because yeah, uh, if there are threats, then that definitely should be blocked. Um, and that should lead into that. But if it was just, again, if it's just condemnation or trash talk, that's something completely. I mean, we get we get that on the program all the time here, right? Don't block anybody because of that. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I didn't see the comments. So maybe, David, maybe, David, you've got a little bit more insight to that than I do because I haven't seen it. Uh, Mike says, Michael says, I hope this isn't the case. But I think the history books may be calling what is happening, again, looking forward and looking back, right? I think the history books may be calling what's happening right now the beginning of this generation's Great Depression. Oh, God, I hope not. I hope not. Um, that would be, yeah, no, that would that would be, dude. Jonathan says most of the representatives block... Most of the representative pages they block you from commenting anyways go, how is that any different? I was not, again, I don't spend any time on, I mean, contrary to what this probably looks like for the crowds out there, because we do the show on Facebook and YouTube and everything else, contrary to popular belief, I don't spend any time really on social media. I mean, outside of the show, I mean, it may be... 30 minutes a week or something that I spend on social media outside of the show. Um, I may occasionally browse or somebody may send me a link or something that I go look at, but I just don't do it. So I'm not going to these pa- these Facebook pages and looking at what people are saying um, because for the most part, I think a lot of this, I think a lot of it's just a cesspool, a cesspool. Um, and so anyway, um, Jerrica said, my husband commutes to Anchorage every day, five days a week, and has a van full of tools to haul from job to job, generally multiple sites per day. Let me know if there's a bus service that will accommodate that. She was talking about Jim's comment on just getting a just getting a bus pass and, and going to work on a bus pass. Yeah, I mean, it's just some things you just can't do. Um, and like I said, I'm not willing to run my time around on riding a bus out to, you know, it's it's worth the extra bucks for me. To just be able to drive straight home when I want to drive. I mean, a bus pass may save me some money, <clears throat> but in the long run, the one thing that I don't have a finite that I that I don't have that I do have a finite amount of uh, uh, in my life is time, and I'd rather just be able to drive straight home and get it done there. Okay, um, let's see. 
It's interesting. It's interesting to see military vets who swore an oath to support the Constitution, right to free expression, to go to Juno and block folks. Yeah, I said, you know. Um, where has she been? Sarah, I think, is what Richard's talking about. Where has she been? Don dies. She shows back up. I can't believe people are falling for her crap again. <laughs> Thank God I'm going fishing today, he says. Um. So what they can enable comments but blocking somebody's bad. I don't. Anyway. Uh, if the person has a Facebook page in an official capacity, then I think the rules are different. What they need to do is define the limits of speech. That way they can differentiate between wrong speech and prevent biased reactions. Okay. Uh, in her farewell Facebook stream, Reinbold seemed to indicate that the man she blocked was doing so, was threatening her. Okay. Well, I guess that'll all come out, I guess, in the trial if they present tweets that say this man was threatening and I, or th- I thought it was a woman. I thought it was a woman who was filed against her. Bobby McDowell. Um, I don't know why Bobby. I thought Bobby was a woman. Um, McDowell and her attorney. So McDowell is a woman. Uh, okay, anyway, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. But I agree kind of with what Christy's saying is that if it's a Facebook in an official capacity, Facebook page in an official capacity, it really is kind of about free speech. I don't have a problem with anybody blocking. I mean, if you have a show like this, I mean, I can block anybody I want at any time. I just choose not to because I believe that the answer to speech you don't agree with is more speech. Now, the problem is is that some people can't abide by the norms of a discussion, even in a disagreement, or they're so off base with all their comments, like they're totally off topic and just, you know, anti-Semitic and there's just so many different things that have happened. I have had to ban a person for that. Um, I get kicked off once a week, says Jonathan. Uh, anyone want to share a ride from the Valley Anchorage, 630 AM to five. I have room. If you want to chip in on gas says Jonathan, uh, or at least identifies as a woman. What's happening with our budget? Kind of quiet, said Rick. Well, let me tell you, because I got an, I got a text message from somebody in the administration because we were talking about this last week, and they wanted to correct me on some stuff that we had said. Um, regarding the budget, they don't need the budget to be transmitted to the governor's office to analyze it. Uh, the word on the street is is that we will be transmitted on June the 17th, and they expect the governor will have a press conference with official action shortly after the June 17th transmission date. Bottom line is uh, there will be some, there will be enough vetoes for some and not enough for others, and we'll see what happens from there. So yeah, the 17th is what we're looking at right now. All right, we got to go. Back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. 
Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to our to our uh, social media sites, to the podcast, a uh, list of all the radio stations and translators we broadcast from, and of course we are broadcasting live across the state on all those translators and radio stations as well. Good morning and welcome to the program, The Michael Duke Show, hour two of this Monday edition of the show. And we are ready to rock and roll. What happened with the election? How are things going? What direction are we headed? Well, we don't know. Um, We've got until the 25th. The 25th is the official drop-dead date of the uh, certification for the uh, special election for Congress. Uh, But we do have some indications. We do know at least three of the candidates uh, who are going to make it through uh, the the gauntlet, so to speak, of the jungle primary. The top four, the top four vote getters will move on to the general, which will be held on August the sixteenth, the same day as the regular primary, um, <clears throat> the regular jungle primary. Not to be too confusing there. Um, and again, some interesting uh, some interesting uh, outcomes of the race as it sits right now, with a hundred and nine thousand registered votes. Already counted. Again, they're expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of, I've seen numbers from 140 to 145,000 is what they're expecting out of uh, nearly 590,000 ballots that were sent out. Um, We're going to see some interesting stuff. Currently in the lead with the most votes, 32,000 out of the 109,000 votes for 29.77% is Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin Leading the pack, um, always expected to be in the top four uh, as they go through. Uh, was always expecting. I, she's a little higher than I expected. Um, I expected somewhere in the 24, 25% range. So she's nearly 5% ahead of where I expected, um, which leads us to our number two, which in this case is Nick Beggage. And I expected him to be a couple points higher than where he's at, 19.31% is where Nick Baggage sits. But he did garner that valuable number two position. And there's a whole there's a whole theorem around when you're doing rank choice voting, um, what uh, you know, that number two is is the enviable position at this point when it comes to rank choice voting. So I mean I don't know if that's true or not, but uh that's what some of the talking heads have been talking about is how number two is good. So I guess uh Nick Baggage got number two and that's the good thing. Number three Al Gross, the non-declared independent Democrat. Uh, now, the Democrats hate him this time around. The Democratic Party, in their Twitter feed, called him a proven loser. So I don't know exactly what that means uh, for Al. But Al Gross coming in uh, with 12.47% of the vote. Uh, leaving the final position, the number four position, 
uh, kind of in limbo. Currently, Mary Peltola, the Democrat, is in uh, is in the lead for the fourth for the fourth position. In the lead for the fourth position, she's got uh, eighty one hundred votes for seven point four five percent of the seven point four five percent of the uh, of the vote. But behind her, by only twenty three hundred votes, is Tara Sweeney, the Republican, who did in the last uh, couple three four weeks of the election did some real heavy heavy lifting and advertising in the South Central area. Um, and those votes apparently, according to some of the things that has not yet been fully accounted for. So again, only 2,300 votes separating Tara Sweeney from Mary Peltola, uh, Tara with 5.25%, Mary Peltola with 7.45%. So that could change with the additional $40,000, uh, excuse me, 40,000, uh, ballots, uh, yet to be counted. Um, then after Tara, you've got Santa Claus, followed by Jeff Lowenfels, followed by Christopher Constant, followed by John Coghill, then Josh Revac, then Andrew Halkrow, then em- then uh, Adam Wool. Uh, maybe just you, you go all the way down this. I mean, all the way down to the lowest vote getter in the whole race, Brian Beal, the undeclared candidate who got 15 votes across the whole state. So he's got friends and family. Um, but yeah. This 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 thing, very, very interesting. Very interesting to see. Now, the question is, where do the rest of these votes go? There's a lot of Republicans in this lower ranking. Um, everything under Tara Sweeney, right? Everything under Tara Sweeney has got to go somewhere um, as far as votes and so for Republicans, you know, John Coghill's got 2,700. Josh Revac's got 2,600. That's uh, almost uh, 5,500 plus Andrew Halcrow, who is non-declared but has been in Republican circles for years. So do they vote Republican? I don't know. But let's just say they do. That's 7,500. Another 240. That's uh, 775. Uh, then another uh, 165. That's that's 8,000. Uh, Armstrong and Sumner, that's another uh, 8,300, 8,400, 8,450, 84, 89, 8,700 is estimate. I mean, I'm looking at this. I'm just doing the math quickly in my head. So somewhere between 86 and 8,700 other votes in the race for Republicans. Now, what does that mean? When it goes on, and and then you even get into like the nonpartisan or the undeclared kind of candidates. Um, where do those votes go? Do those votes go for Sarah Palin, the uh, you know the the bombastic um, you know MAGA candidate, or do they go for Al Gross or Nick Begich? Um, I don't know. I think Nick Begich is in a pretty good. Uh, is in a pretty good position. Now, interesting to note that a lot of the big names in the Republican Party went went nowhere. I mean, Josh Revac and John Coghill, those are both pretty well-known names. I mean, and and really part of what I would consider to be the establishment Republicans. I mean, Josh Revac still is, is, a, is a sitting senator. 
right? Until January. He's still he's still there. John Coghill up until recently was a sitting senator. And yet they are well and truly shut out of this. It's these either it's the the uh the the firebrand Palin or the the upstart baggage that got all the votes on this. So it's interesting. Um it's interesting to see how this all runs out. Anyway, so that's the rundown right now. We're going to get another update um, on Wednesday. Uh, and then I think it's every four or five days after that, they'll give us a, they'll give another update with the final certification vote coming in on the 25th of June. Now we dodged a bullet uh, on part of this because the, there was a lawsuit brought against the state of Alaska um, by the uh, by the Alaska State Commission on Human Rights, and it was uh, launched last Wednesday. And it basically said that uh, that that blind voters or vision impaired voters in the state of Alaska had been disenfranchised because of the actions of the Division of Elections, and a superior court judge had agreed with that. And on Friday, had issued an injunction and said that the state of Alaska could not certify the current mail-in election because they didn't provide for an adequate way for blind people to vote privately. Um, and then the Division of Elections appealed that to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court came back on Saturday and said, uh, no, the injunction is lifted and they said they'll have a full decision on this later on, but their initial, basically, their their ruling was, no, the the uh, certification can continue. And so, kind of dodged a bullet on that one because that one would have been a hot mess if they had been holding this thing up for God knows how long. It would have been a very difficult uh, situation as it is right now. We've got about six weeks between certification date and the next election. So expect to be completely inundated between, well, pretty much between now and August 16th. Pretty much expect to just be completely slammed as you look at this. And all the other races now are going to heat up as well. Um, and so just, just expect that you're going to be facing some real, <laughs> it's going to be a, just a complete whitewash of uh, political noise between now and August the 16th with a brief with a brief breather for a couple weeks and then on to the general election in November. Uh, but that's what's uh, that's what's going to be coming down uh, here in the next few days. So we'll be we'll be watching that as well. Uh, we were also talking about in the last hour the lawsuit now uh, that Laura Reinbold is facing and apparently Kevin McCabe is facing a similar one uh, for blocking uh constituents or commenters in one case it's a constituent in one case it's not uh on their facebook pages and whether or not that 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 is good or not and we've been kind of taking a poll from people around uh on the uh, on the in the chat room on facebook and on youtube and uh taking some calls from you the listeners as well as to whether or not you believe that it is right or good for elected officials to be able to block commenters from their facebook page um, so I don't know. I'm opening up the phone lines if you guys want to talk about that 
at 907-433-3150. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on that. But Reinbold is the only one that's got some challenges going on. Uh, she decided not to run in part, she's quoted in the ADN as saying in part, because she has spent, uh, she's got to focus on this lawsuit and she's already spent more than $60,000 in her own defense on this. So we'll see what comes out of that. But another lawmaker is already also facing a re-election challenge. Representative David Eastman, who has filed for re-election, um, is now being challenged. His candidacy itself is being challenged uh, by some of his constituents and other folks as well. Um, the, uh, the challenge, state law, allows for residents to challenge a candidate standing, meaning are you a valid candidate? Can you stand for office? State laws allows for residents to challenge the candidate standing for filing up to 10 days after the filing deadline of June the 1st. So they had until the 10th or the 11th, I guess, to put in some kind of challenge. And the article in the ADN by Iris uh, Samuels lists a plethora of people who basically have filed uh, these challenges to his candidacy with the Division of Elections and said uh, that I guess the biggest part of it is that um, he was a lifetime member of Oath Keepers, which, of course, if you've been watching the January 6th thing, uh, the, the, the hearings, uh, they, those guys have uh, basically been uh, um, charged and some of them already convicted with uh, sedition, uh, a bunch of other stuff as well. Not a good look for anybody who was part of that. But again, I remember, uh, as I said before, I don't always agree with uh, Eastman, but um, I remember Oath Keepers from back in the day when uh, when they first got started. And that was, you know, the actions of these people are not the same organization. It's not the same organization, I think, as it was back in the day. And Eastman has been a life member for quite a while, many years. But the argument made by... Uh, Jason Thomas, who's an Eagle River attorney, and many others, is that his eligibility to run an office is based on the section of the Constitution which says that no person who advocates or aids or belongs to any party or organization or association which advocates the overthrow by force or violence of the government of the U.S. or the state shall be qualified to hold any public office or trust or profit under this Constitution. Um, I, again, I, I think this is a serious, serious stretch. Um, to uh, to to throw all this in there, but it is um, it, it's up for the legal beagles to decide uh, in uh, you know in the long run uh, whether or not this fulfills the letter of the law as well. Um, who else? Randy Kowalki uh, from has uh, filed a challenge. Rasmussen, Sarah Rasmussen was also considering filing a challenge. This was last week before the. Uh, uh, before Saturday, uh, I don't know if she did or not. Um, there were several others. Iva Hodes, uh, who's listed and, and named here. Raven Amos filed a check. He's got a he's got a bunch of them against his camp. Now, what does it mean? I don't know. Does it does anything change? No. Does it change his combative style? I don't know. But it does. It does throw, I guess, a bunch of question marks on the field as to whether or not he'll make that through there. The Division of Elections did acknowledge that they had received some challenges, but they didn't say how many. 
and um, they uh, did not provide the exact number of complaints, and they said that they will respond to each complaint within 30 days. So, okay. I mean, I, I don't know. But it does put a question mark on the whole thing. That's for sure. Oh, hey, look at that. We're up against the break. I, I, I rambled on too long. Sorry about that. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll uh, take some of your calls. If you guys want to call in, we know the phone lines work now. I was starting to worry there for a minute that the phones didn't work. But we know that they do because Randy called in at the end of the last hour. Feel free to call in now. 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. Okay. Is there a challenge against Hoffman as well? I've heard rumors about his residency. I understand that there was a challenge. Uh, the person to talk about uh, about that is actually in the chat room. Um, I don't know if that challenge actually, I know they were talking about filing. I don't know if they did that, but if so, 30 days to uh, let us know. Uh, all right. Uh, Eastman did none of that. He went to D.C. and deserved like thousands of others. Eastman has my vote. Five of us challenged, filed a challenge to Lyman Hoffman's residency for his rural seat. Filed on the 8th and we're waiting for calls for testimony. Youf. Serious stretch for sure. Sharing a border with propaganda more so to my mind, says Herder. Again, uh, you know, you, you know, it's like, you know, it's like somebody who signed up. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if I, yeah. You sign up for as a life member to an organization 15 years ago, and then the mission of the organization changes or the direction of the organization changes. Um, I mean, once a life member, always a life member, right? It's not like you're giving them money and supporting them right now unless they can prove he was down there doing some of that stuff. And he's the thing is, he's never been charged with anything. He's never, you know, it's all innuendo and whispers. I mean, I don't agree with David Eastman on a lot of the way that he does stuff. I agree with some of his positions, but... I mean, even then, you can't just do a whisper campaign and innuendo him to death. That didn't seem that didn't seem right. Uh, Jill says, I don't think obvious abusive harassment should be protected as free speech. You see a lot of what I think crosses the line on different politicians' pages in unrelenting attacks by a select few. There should be limits on some point. I'm not familiar with the exact case for Reinbolds. Also, the scales of justice are far too often used as a weapon these days. Well, I mean, again, that goes back to what we were just talking about with Eastman. You know, a whisper campaign of innuendo and everything else doesn't, I mean, <laughs> that doesn't uh, that doesn't stop it. And I would be probably a lot more concerned if most of these complaints that they talked about actually came out of Eastman's district. I think he's got a very good support. Uh, I think he's got a very good following amongst his own uh his own constituency. And so people from outside in Anchorage and other areas can throw all the things that they want. But if that's what the constituents want, then I think that's what they're going to get. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I don't expect this to, um, 
I don't expect this to uh, uh, to to come of much of anything at this point. That's just that's just my hot take on it. But we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, all right, we got one line on hold. We're going to talk to them in just a hot second. Uh, his constituents love him, says Jonathan! Exclamation point on YouTube. Um, I'm scrolling through all these comments here. Um, uh, the boats below F- S- Sweeney are thrown. Wait a second. Let me read this here. I got to read the whole thing. The votes below Sweeney are thrown out. They are not redistributed. I'm talking about in the next round. Uh, the numbers below Sweeney, particularly towards the bottom, are insignificant numbers. Many of those voters may not even vote in the next round, only voted because of familiarity, are not necessarily even likely to vote again, says Kathleen. Well, I mean, you don't really have any statistical proof for that, Kathleen. I would just say the potential is there for them to go ahead and revote, assuming that they do another round of voting. That is my choice. And, and the thing is, is, again, they have to this all assumes that the four that the four go to the general and that those same people who voted in the primary vote in the general. So that's my whole point there. Uh let me get the name of the caller on the uh phone lines and we'll see who it is and we'll start off from there. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning. Uh my name's Lauren. I'm calling from Soldatna. Okay, Lauren, would you please hold the line? You will be first up here. We are literally seconds away. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right. we'll be right back to I you. Uh, all right, Lauren from Soldatna is going to be joining us here. In a why didn't that change? Dang it! I hate it when that happens. Uh, all right, Lauren from Soldatna, please like and share, like and share, and uh, let's uh, see what you have to say. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty braced, a free thinking radio. Make sure to hit subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's do it. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now with phone calls and more as we continue to dissect what's been going on in the big races and what's going to be happening in the local races as well coming up into the end of the year. On the phone with us right now at 907-433-3150 is Lauren from Soldatna. Lauren, what's uh, what's on your mind today, my friend? Well, I just wanted to make a comment about uh, David Eastman and all this stuff and the Oath Keepers. Uh, We all know, or anybody that's thinking and has their eyes open, knows that we we do not have equal justice under the law. And uh, what the Oath Keepers have done, whether they've changed from what they were, you know, when it was started, which which I agree with you totally. I remember it, uh, you know, back when when we I first heard about it years ago, but but compare anything that they've done to Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all of the all of the stuff that went down you know over the last couple of years that uh, that was absolutely denied by you know you've got Jerry Jerry Nadler up there saying you know you know this is just a right-wing you know conspiracy thing you know and uh, and you know and and yet we see it we see uh, we see them attacking a Capitol building in Seattle or Portland we see them burning stuff and 
you know, and I, I never saw the Oath Keepers doing anything like that. Uh, so I guess basically that's, that's just my comment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, initially when Oath Keepers, my understanding, I've never been part of the organization, but I did, uh, I was familiar with them from 10, 15 years ago when they first started to crop up and, uh, they were, you know, people who had been worked in law enforcement, uh, military, uh, basically anybody who had sworn an oath to the Constitution in the in their line of work. Basically, their whole point was exactly. is they wanted to uphold the Constitution and hold our elected leaders accountable to the Constitution. That was their that was how what the pitch was for oath keepers at the time. And so I was familiar okay. with it, and it seems like now that it. You know, I don't know if it's changed or, or what's going on, but it seems like with all these indictments and everything else that there may have been, you know, something has obviously changed in the organization. But again, if you sign up to be a member, it's like saying I signed up to be a life member of the NRA, you know, 20 years ago, and now they've got all this stuff going on with the NRA and the inappropriate use of monies and LaPierre is back and everything. And people would be like, I didn't sign up for this. You're right. You gave money 15 years ago. You're a life member, so you're part of it. But did you have any control? Did you do any of that? Probably not. You know, it's the same kind of thing. I, I just, I think it's a weak straw to grab onto, uh, quite honestly, Lauren. And yeah. and, uh, and I think it's, uh, I, I think as long as his constituency is behind him, I think he's not going to have much of a problem. Yeah. But anyway, just getting back to taking a, to, to taking an oath, you know, to uphold the Constitution. Uh, I'm pretty sure that most of uh, our, like our higher up uh Let's say, for instance, the FBI executives, the upper echelon there. I imagine most of them guys, at one time or another, took a, took an oath to uphold the the Constitution. Yeah. And uh, and I think there's been plenty of evidence that uh, the FBI might have been somewhat involved in some way or another. Uh, we all we all know that there's no such thing as a conspiracy, <clears throat> but we also know that. There's no coincidences. Well, I mean, all, just, uh, all you have to do, Lauren, is look at the so-called assassination plot of Fran, of Whitmer in uh, in Minnesota and realize that the whole thing was instigated by FBI stooges uh, to get that whole thing. I mean, you, you remember how quickly that story faded from the news when they first thought, oh, this assassination plot to kill Governor Whitmer. And then it turned out that it was all instigated by FBI informants. And then you're like, oh, oh, maybe. OK, I see. Uh, you know that's the problem. Yeah. You know, and 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 those guys have taken an oath to uphold the Constitution, have they not? Uh yeah, I would assume. Uh, I mean, that is part of an FBI agent's deal is you got to take an oath when it's all said and done. Okay, there you go. So, uh, so uh, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess I got more respect for for uh, oath keepers and NRA than what I have for. Uh, you know the uh, the upper uh, power of uh, right. You know of Washington D.C. law enforcement, uh, whatnot. So, right. Anyway, thank that's you, Lauren. Appreciate you calling in this morning. Thanks for uh, being part of it. Uh, let's continue on on the phone nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. If you'd like to sound off on this or the Facebook commenting or anything else, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Over here we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Melissa in the Valley, one of Eastman's constituents. Good morning, Melissa. <laughs> Good morning. Um, I'm calling one because um, I'm an Oath Keeper. I've been an Oath Keeper since I was 18. Signed up just like my dad as when he got out of the Marine Corps. So, you know, as a, as a house mom of Alaska, I can tell you I'm not actively overthrowing the government. Right. Though somebody probably should. 
Um, I'm not <laughs> because, you know, that's just being an oath keeper meant you stand and protect the Constitution. And I feel like if you go after oath keepers, then we can't have a militia either. What we have as citizens a right not just to bear arms, but to have a well-regulated militia. And with them taking out the oath keepers, what's the next step? My other point is, in January 6th, we lost somebody. Her name was Ashley Babbitt. She was shot and killed by police officers. She wasn't shot and killed by insurrectionists. That was the life loss. And just like the other caller said, we're looking at BLM and Antifa. I remember Officer David Doran, off-duty, retired police officer that was shot and gunned down in the streets trying to save somebody from Antifa rioters. Right. He left 13 grandkids behind. He was African-American, so just any of those races that want to like throw that out there. He was murdered. He was murdered on the streets that he worked 30 years to defend, but yet those people aren't insurrectionists. They burned down a precinct. Of a, they actually stormed a Capitol building. Well, I think they also and burned tried to a, stop a vote. Yeah, I think they burned a federal building in a federal courthouse too, didn't they? In Portland or Seattle, one so, of the two. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they did. They 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 did, and um, they took over uh, part of Wakosha and made the the little Chaz community. They literally took and occupied four city blocks of America under under like armed guards and stuff and they there was more crime and murders happening in their little little compound than there was outside of the streets so it's you know to me it's it's all just um which side are you on because that's the side that the justice system will be um placing the attack on because if you're you're if you're god-fearing if you're christian you're conservative if you have moral values and you love america for some reason you're labeled as the enemy well, and uh, that's. Do you think that? Do you think that these? Uh, do you think that these challenges to Eastman? I mean, does it matter to his constituency? I mean, it may matter to the division of elections. They may make a decision on this one way or the other. But I mean, do 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 his constituency? Does does any of that matter? Do you think? I mean, being part of a, uh, being part I, of his area. I don't think so because they're in a way they're attacking us as constituents. Every attack on Eastman is an attack on us. We voted for him. We put him there. And so they're literally attacking my family's vote. They're attacking my neighbor's vote. And not only that, if you've been a constituent of Eastman, you've known this has been going on since day one. Eastman won his district overwhelmingly. Like 74% of us voted to put him in office. And they don't like that. They don't like us in the Valley. They punish us. They take away our troopers. They slap us on the wrist every chance they can get because we won't kowtow to them. And, you know, quite frankly, any of our constituents that see them in public, they don't want to see us. They want to hide in Juno because we will speak our mind. We will stand up for our PFD and our fellow citizens and say, no, enough. And, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the, the call to bring tar and feathering back is coming from the valley. <laughs> just saying that. <laughs> well, it could possibly be, that's for sure. That sounds like the valley. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, thank you, Melissa. I appreciate you uh, calling in this morning and sounding off. And, hey, one more thing. Yes. Carol Reinbold is a wonderful lady. And? And? And um, she, she's been out there fighting for our PFD day one. I mean, taking ferries, everything, masks, not just our PFD, but our medical freedoms. Sure. And she's also been other, under attack 
like yeah. all the time. And it's not by her constituents. It's by organizations that don't like her and don't want her going back to Juno and stirring up the pot. And, you know, they want it all business as usual. Sarah Reimble, you know, she's a good person and a good politician. That's rare. Laura, and yeah, Laura Reimble. they're going to keep yeah. going after. Yeah. Laura Reimble, sorry. Yeah. They're going to keep going after our our champion. You know what I mean? Every time we have someone that gives us a leg to stand on Alaska, they will be under attack. They will be under attack. And we need to know that's the less tactic. They, they have the court system. They have the judges. Right. They look what they did to Mayor Bronson after he legally won. Right. Well, he has uh, no power. Any, He's anybody, fighting every day just to get a job done. This is the danger of sticking your head up above a crowd. You're going to catch the tomatoes no matter what. So this is, uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, I agree with you on that. Um, all right. Uh, thank you so much, Melissa, for calling in this morning. I had another line on hold, but they bowed out. So. That takes us right to the break anyway, so we'll just take the break and we'll come back and we'll open up the phone lines, keep them open as well as we continue forward. It is the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you want to get in the queue to have your thoughts be heard, I'd like to hear what you have to say, for or against. You don't have to agree with anybody on this program. You're welcome to call in and disagree. Uh, We'd love to have a conversation with you. 907-433-3150, the Satellite West call-in line. Powered by our friends at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. Back with more and your phone calls right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. In the break. All right. Um, We got one line on hold. And uh, so let's uh, get, let's get the name and uh, and caller's location so that we can get them started. We'll be coming back and talking to them here in a second. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? The uh, Della, and I'm calling from Fairbanks. Della, calling from Fairbanks. Della, you will be number one in the queue here, so don't go anywhere. You're going to be first up, number one with a bullet. Della is number one in Fairbanks. Um. Don Hardwin says, never mind that numerous elected officials in Alaska systemically ignore the Alaska Constitution. Uh, Systematically, not systemic. Systematically ignore the Alaska Constitution. I mean, yeah, never mind that. But, you know, it's uh, okay. Um, I hope I'm not the only person who has an issue with politics having sway over our legal system. Our courts should be above politics, says Floyd. I mean, that's kind of the way that it was designed. It's supposed to be above politics uh that doesn't necessarily work out quite the way we expected uh but we'll see i mean that's one of the that's one of the big pushes for people who are asking for a constitutional convention is for changing the way that we retain and uh, appoint judges in this state uh the the way that we appoint judges and retain judges in the state is known as the missouri model i believe missouri model uh, and we're the only state that still does the Missouri model. Everybody, including Missouri, has decided that that's not a great way to 
retain and uh, appoint judges. So uh, it's one of the things that we're working on, trying to take politics out of that. Uh, Eastman does know the Constitution and the rules of the legislature, says Kathleen. Yeah, and and you can be a real thorn in people's side if you actually know the way the rules are supposed to to be. Sean says, just like Fast and Furious uh, faded from the news immediately once the truth started to leak. Uh, he was talking about when I was talking about Whitmer's assassination attempt, how that immediately left the news when it was discovered that it had been it was a cre- creation of the FBI and some of their uh, people. Uh, Fast and Furious the same way. Fast and Furious, for those of you who don't know, was the Gunwalker scandal where they were walking guns across the border. The ATF was on purpose, purportedly as a way to track down gangs across the border. And, of course, uh, turns out that they just basically walked 2,700 guns across the border and never bothered tracking them beyond that. Had never gotten permission from Mexico to operate in Mexico's territory to try and find it. And instead, threw a bunch of law-abiding gun dealers under the bus who had been cooperating with the ATF in doing this sting, uh, and then later got thrown to the wolves because of it. Uh, but yeah, you remember how fast that faded from the news? Uh, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, it's pretty crazy stuff. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see here. I'm scrolling backwards to see if anybody else has commented. On any of the stuff that we missed, um, uh, have actuals of the terrorist camp that they're setting up in Michigan. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, there's th- th- yeah some of the militia camps that were in Michigan that were funded by Care or Al Qaeda or somebody else. I know there's a lot of different, lot of stuff happening in Michigan. Weird place, man. Michigan, definitely. Uh, some things happening there that are making you go, what? All right. Uh, ATF tried to push banning civilian gun sales on the border over the issue until it came out that it was, in fact, them doing it. And there was never any accountability for any of it. No, I know. And then they used the full force and power of the federal government to penalize the FFLs who had been working with them. Um, I saw an interview one time with one of the gun dealers down there who basically said, we told the ATF we didn't want to do this anymore because we were afraid where these guns were going and nothing was happening. And they said, no, no, you're doing a great service to your country. You're doing it. And the next thing you know, they get thrown under the bus on it. Yeah. Michigan is where Whitman's from, not Missouri. I didn't say I didn't say she was from Missouri. I think I said Minnesota. It was Michigan. But yeah, you're right. Michigan, weird place. All right, let's uh, got another call on hold. Let's get their name real quick before we jump back into the radio. Uh, we got a second caller. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Terry calling from Kodiak. All right, Terry, you hold the line. You're going to be number two in the queue. You're right behind Della. Della's ahead of you, but we'll be to your call here in just a second. We're 60 seconds out right now. Um uh, 60 seconds out from rejoining the radio. We're going to start with Della, then we'll go on to Terry and go on from there. Uh, Politidic has a video from the Republican Women's Group meeting on Facebook. Watch. A lot of good info about the session and the way the legislature played games. I'll have to go back and watch that video from Politidic. He's got some interesting stuff uh, that he uh, brings out there all the time. Do me a favor, if you're out on YouTube, would you please like, uh, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube? If you're on Facebook... Would you please go to YouTube for me for just a minute and uh, and 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 like and share? I need a thousand subscribers. I need a thousand subscribers 
on YouTube to make it all work. I'm posting the uh, link up right now. If you go over there and subscribe and ring the bell, uh, I'm almost to 300. I need 1,000. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, one final segment here of the program. We got a couple calls on hold. We're going to start off with them uh, because we promised we would. So let's start off first up in the interior with Della, who's in Fairbanks. Uh, Della, what uh, what's on your mind this morning? Um, the PFD. The PFD. The All PFD right. The PFD is on my mind. <laughs> it seems. It seems like the um, our legislatures are. They have tunnel vision when dealing with how to get extra financial resources in the state. I mean, the state of Alaska already has a lottery. We have toll tabs. We have bingo halls, all that kind of stuff. I don't understand if they're looking for more revenue. Why don't they bring in the, um, why don't they allow casinos? Mm. Why don't they allow the Powerball and the Mega Lottery to open up here? Right. Well, uh, it just seems like they're they're just so focused and they have tunnel vision that it's not they're not thinking outside the box. Well, the irony of those kind of situations, Della, is that usually the arguments against things you know some kind of gambling concession, whether it's pull tabs or Powerball or bingo or you know whatever uh, lotteries, etc. Uh, casinos is usually from a moral standpoint that they're worried, first of all, that it's gambling. And secondly, they're worried that it will affect the lowest income earners the worst because they would have a tendency to get, you know, hooked on gambling or whatever and that they would be most affected. The irony of that, of course, is that PFD cuts affect those same people in a worse way (laughs) as it is right now. Uh, I don't know how much could be generated out of a, a Powerball or casinos or lotteries or whatever, but I mean, it, it it would be some money for sure. But the argument is always, oh, you'll hurt the lowest income earners because they'll be the ones that will do it the most uh, while taking monies from the lowest income earners in the forms of PFD tax. And so I, I, I find that kind of crazy. Correct. I mean, like there are a lot of families, you know, let's, $3,200 for the PFD this year and, you know, families that have four children, that's six people getting $3,200. That's a, that's a nice chunk of change for their Sure. Could be life-changing. Family. Yeah, it could I be mean, life-changing for many income. families. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so taking that away from them, what does that do? Puts them more impoverished? Right. It's just frustrating. It, it just seems like there's a systemic refusal to think outside the box. Well, again, uh, I, <laughs> often, I, I often question, Della, I often question whether or not they even really want to fix the problem. Because by not fixing the problem, they leave Correct. everything in flux and it gives them more power to do what they've been doing already, which is taking the PFD and just doing what they want to do anyway. So the question is, do they really want to right. fix the problem? And I, I, would, I would argue that no. They like the status quo. The system being broken the way it is is beneficial to them. Correct. 
But it's like, why? Why is it beneficial, though? How does it benefit them? Do they get more federal funding? Do they? Oh, well, they're able to direct the monies. They're able to spend the monies on the projects that they want to spend, and they're able to grow the size and scope of government, which is the ultimate goal of many of these people, because only through direct benevolent government intervention can society move forward. That's the the philosophy we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's that's how it works. uh, but, well, I don't understand, you know, it, w- it would be beneficial. It it would be beneficial to um, to um, research and open up programs to bring in farmers. Why, why oh, do we I not mean, have yeah. food security growers in the state of Alaska to sustain Alaskans? Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a whole nother show. But, yeah, we've asked that question many times in the past. <laughs> Um, and it should be, it should be industries. Why, yeah. why, right. Why are they not, why are they not, uh, entertaining manufacturing companies? Right. Like all of the people up here, like a canning manufacturing, uh, uh, something, you know, there's so many, well, like the, big, the big challenge with Alaska, of course, is the ability to get it to other parts of the world, the freight. You know, we don't have the infrastructure inside yeah. the state to be able to get something cheaply to the right. lower 48. If we had a rail line, if we had invested money in a rail line 50 years ago that went all the way down to the lower 48, that would be a huge change for Alaska and for the industries and everything else. But we just don't have that. Uh, we're focusing on other things, um, you know, making sure that we count the number of of whatever smelt or whatever that's going into it, we, we we had other priorities Della that's the problem um and uh that's where we're at right now hey I appreciate your call Terry is down in the Emerald Isle of Kodiak let's see what Terry has to say this morning what is uh, on your mind uh, good morning uh, I just uh, was uh, excited to hear someone uh, had called Jim and was talking about Old keepers, I I really don't know a lot about them, uh, so I can't comment much on that except that uh, this live streaming that's going on of this, uh, it frankly sounds like a kangaroo court uh, uh, about the January 6th uh, alleged insurrection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It it seems like uh, they are... uh, given a pass to BLM, and I'm, I'm just thankful that uh, U.S. Representative Candace Owens, uh, who's a black woman, uh, is going to be on Juneteenth uh, that day. She's, she's going to be uh, having a documentary. Uh, it's kind of an expose on BLM, and it's called uh, Greatest lie ever told it's uh, going to be on dailywire.com uh, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that because I, I remember uh, in early 2020 when uh, the cap the uh, I think it was Terrence William on Facebook uh, a young black man uh, showed a video clip of uh, the Washington, D.C. fires going really close to the White House, going on really close to the White House and Capitol building, and uh, somehow uh, this kangaroo court that's going after the insurrectionists are just uh, ignoring that. Right. (laughs) So 
Well, Candace Owen is not a representative, but she is, uh, you said Representative Candace Owen, but she is a commentator, and she does always, I think she always makes some valid points. I look forward to uh, seeing what this uh, expose is supposed to bring forward. We know that it's, uh, again, that a lot of these uh, uh, riots and uh, and actions by BLM and Antifa and others got kind of a pass from the political elite, and it'll be nice to see some of that stuff uh, brought out. Yeah. All right. Well, she she went and tried to interview uh, that Patrice. I think I'm sorry. I, I don't know her entire name, but uh, the one that bought the huge and uh, very expensive mansion. Oh, right. The leader of BLM. Yeah, who is misusing all these <laughs> yeah. funds? Has hired her hired her brother or whatever. Who also? I mean, yeah. There's some real. Crazy stuff that was going on with that, with the BLM, and uh, there's been a lot of calls to have that investigated. We'll see if that actually happens, though. Terry, thank you for your call. I've got uh, more callers on hold, so let me get over to them to see what they have to say, and uh, we'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning. This is Bubba from North Pole, and really quick, they shouldn't call it live stream. They should just call it live stream. (laughs) Wait a second. I have a live stream. Is it a live stream? No, I want to know. No, no, no. The one that's coming out of Washington, D.C. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm just making call, sure. Call that live stream. That's a live stream. That's okay. more accurate. Words have meaning. Words do have meaning, for, that's uh, for sure. And for and for anybody to take it serious, you know, having uh, Warren and the other Republican liar, um, to have them on there without the Republicans getting to put someone up on their side, uh, it's just a sham. Anyhow, well, uh, Michael, I, great show. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, I I would agree that you know a lot of this. I mean, it, it just looks so politically motivated. I mean, this is a uh, you know in in my opinion, it's it is uh, you know political manipulation or a witch hunting or whatever you want to want to say. Um, but they're they're looking for some kind of scapegoat. They're going to find somebody to blame for what's going on. Uh, again, ironic that none of these. Things uh, came out of some of the other riots and uh, demonstrations and uh, brawls and uh, incidents of, I mean, I think that one of the previous callers made the perfect point, uh, you know, talking about the Chaz and the CHOP, right? That was the area inside of Seattle where they basically declared themselves independent and as a fiefdom, uh, free from the fiefdom of the United States, um, and where they were there for several weeks. I mean, if that's not kind of the definition of insurrection, I don't know what was. But, you know, you didn't see anybody there getting charged. You don't see congressional hearings going on for something like that because those people, of course, are on our team. We couldn't possibly we couldn't possibly bring charges up against them. But anybody who's not on our team. Oh, yeah, those guys are fair game. You know, Um, I just. I'm glad I live this far away from Washington, D.C. That's all I could say. We're about as far as I can get from Washington, D.C. and still be in the country. I'm happy to be here. That Just get me away from all that craziness out there. Those folks are nuttier than squirrel poo. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. Uh, all right. Uh, well, that about does it for today. Coming up again tomorrow, Brad Keithley, Chris Story. Later on this week, uh, working on uh, Eskimo Libertarian. Timothy Givens, a candidate for District 32. Uh, uh, Mike Shower, working on a guest for Firearms Friday. We may have Sarah Palin on. 
Uh, and we might even get Donna Ardwin on. So there you go. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. It's a busy week. Don't forget to uh, to stay out. Come out and check us out on Facebook, will you? Subscribe on Facebook and on YouTube. I need, I need a thousand subscribers on YouTube. So if you go to youtube.com slash users slash the Michael Duke show, you can sign up there or just search up my name and subscribe and ring the bell on that. Will you? You'll get notifications every morning when we go live. Gotta go. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke show. Okay. Well, I got nothing else for the day. I'm pretty much done at this point. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on any of this stuff. Feel free to drop me a line, me at MichaelDukeShow.com. It's right here. That's the email address. If you want to drop me an email, feel free to do so. Send me a message on Facebook, whatever. We're all, it's all good, baby. It's all good. Tomorrow is another day. You are going to have a great Monday. You are going to have a great Monday. I'm telling you right now, I'm speaking it into existence for you. Enjoy yourselves. Come back tomorrow. Let's do it all over again. 6 a.m., The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio! our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show